This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, October 14th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And if you're watching the news, you know that uh, there's a lot of uh, misleading data, right? A trade war truce on Friday, and that was basically unraveled throughout the weekend. So that was kind of the big news in the market today. But there's always different pieces of news that are moving different sectors, different companies, different economies, different asset classes. So we're going to touch on all of that as much as we can today. So we are here to help give you unbiased guidance. I'm Justin Klein and thank you for joining me today. I hope you will call me with your investing questions and when and if you make that call, you can shape this show to your advantage. And our goal each and every weekday is to help move you one step closer to your goal of your own path towards financial freedom. Financial freedom means something different for everybody, and we understand that. And that's why the answers we give to a lot of people are very specific to them on this show. So you need to be able to think about all of these topics dynamically, right? Everyone wants... The answer simplified, but in reality, like most things, it's a complex puzzle that you have to put together, and your puzzle is going to look different different than the next person's, right? So you can call our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. You can leave your particular question on that number. We will answer on a later show, or you can call us live at 888-99-CHART. So... Let me take a few seconds to thank Invest Talk listeners and our KPP financial clients who attended our investing, investor learning opportunity, the KPP Wealth Management Conference over the weekend at our offices in Irvine, California. Got a lot of great feedback, had some great guest speakers on, on real estate, and it really kind of broadened out the topic a little bit. By the way, Steve will be in the New York area for in-person, no-cost portfolio review consultations less than a month from now, about three or four weeks November 7th, so three and a half weeks from now, make reservations through investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point to concerns the prediction that profits are expected to fall during the third quarter earnings season, and it kicks off tomorrow with a slew of banks that are reporting, and then you have some industrials later in the week, and we're going to get to this in a little more detail where is this profit recession or profit shrinkage that is expected for the third quarter coming from? Where, where, where is it emanating from in which industry and which industries might be doing relatively good? So we're going to discuss that. Also, what's the average middle class budget look like? Everything in life is about context. Everything's relative. So what is the average American household spending on each and every month? I think this might help you gauge whether you're doing all right, maybe you need to step it up. I don't want to say you always want to keep up with the Joneses, but it's always good to have a reference point. So we're going to get to that. Also, 
Uber is laying off another 350 employees, rising to about 1,000 over the last few months. And this kind of hits home to a lot of our listeners, especially in the Bay Area, which I know our radio station airs up there. So it's very, very, it's very, very pertinent for those people. But it can apply to a lot of different areas of the country that may have a very tech-focused workforce. And this is maybe a shot across the bow to the industry as a whole. So we're going to discuss that. Also, WeWork's downfall and how that relates to other startups and their valuations as well, which kind of relates to that other topic. So that's what's on my mind. That's what I'm going to talk about on today's show, but ultimately I want to know what's on your mind. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's take a look at the market today. We had a modest down day. NASDAQ inched, uh, inched up very, very briefly, <laughs> and... The S&P was down about 30 basis points, 0.29%. Small caps were down 63 basis points. So it was a very, it was a negative day overall, and mainly because of a reversal of fortunes or a reversal of narrative around the trade deal. Over the weekend, China basically said, we want to talk more. This We didn't really come to a deal. Maybe they talked about if they came to agreement on a few points, but not a broad enough deal to really make it a deal. And, and this is what I said over the weekend at the Wealth Conference. This is not a trade deal. This is not a trade deal. It doesn't roll back tariffs that have already been implemented. It prevents, or supposedly prevents, new tariffs later this month to be implemented. I believe it's supposed to be tomorrow, right? October 15th. And it's supposed to ensure that China buys a certain amount of agriculture from the United States, but they've agreed to this amount at previous instances, but they haven't done it. And I'm going to give you clarity on what this is. This is a way for President Trump to appease a portion of his constituents and his voters that have been hurt the most by his tariffs, by the trade war. And that is the farming community. And clearly, he's getting a lot of backlash from lobbyists of that sector. And he's doing what he's good at, which is find some positive, right? Agree to some positive make a big deal out of it, and make it much bigger than it actually is. And that's what he's done. Or that's what he tried to do last week. This wasn't a trade deal. This is a farm deal. None of the other points of this deal changed the situation very much. And the market kind of started to realize that over the weekend. That per usual, this has happened multiple times now over the last year, when's the market going to call President Trump's bluff and say, we don't believe you. We don't believe that you're actually going to come to a deal. And I think the market's getting closer and closer to that. 
Kind of saw that on Friday. The market was up, but it was on very low volume. Didn't really break out. Deep down, the market knew this was another bluff and another marketing tool by the president to make it look like he's come to a deal. He's great at that. He has a lot of experience at taking small deals and putting them out to the public like they're big deals. And in reality, they're not. So that's kind of what we're dealing with today. That's why you saw the market down for the most part. And I think the market's still trying to figure out what exactly was agreed to. Because China hasn't cooperated exactly what Trump said. That was the market today. Now let's kick things off with a caller question that came in earlier at 888 chart Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Albert from Seattle, Washington. I just wanted to get your input out of one of the stocks of Medical Trust Properties, MPW. It is a REIT that invests in medical properties, offices, old family homes. It looks like a financial, pretty nice, and it has a nice hefty dividend. I just wanted to see your thoughts on this and if it's a good price to pick it up. Thank you so much. Looking forward to listening to your show. Bye. All right, it's so looking at Medical Properties Trust. MPW is the symbol. It yields about five and a quarter percent. It is a REIT. So just like all REITs, this is going to be taxed at your ordinary income tax rate unless it's within uh, some sort of tax-deferred account like an IRA or a 401k, Roth IRA, SEP IRA, etc. So understand that. Second, this is a REIT that invests in healthcare facilities, not just here in America, but also Germany and the United Kingdom. Clearly with Brexit, there could be some impact there. I would be interested to see what percentage of their properties are within the United Kingdom. They also grow through M&A. I would like to look at some of their previous M&A activity and understand whether that was successful or maybe they were overpaying and that can be an issue as well. Now the revenue is down 6% year over year. Earnings down 14% year over year. And I wonder, have they cut their dividend yet? You know, when earnings drop in a REIT, then that can hit the dividend, but it hasn't. It hasn't. They actually recently easily increased it, so I like that aspect of it. I like that it's in the medical space. I like REITs, but you have to be selective in today's market. Now, enterprise value to EBITDA is 10, not very high. Return on equity, 21. I like that. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Technically, it is strong, just like the rest of the sector. So I like MPW, Medical Properties Trust. You'll get a pullback now that you're seeing rates increase a little bit. But certainly here in the you know, 18 to 19 range would be a solid price, especially considering the backdrop of the market where interest rates tend to be dropping over the long term as well as the sector as a whole being very strong. So I like MPW. This is Invest Talk streaming live Monday through Friday in the four o'clock Pacific time hour. It's also available for free download as a condensed, po condensed podcast each and every weekday. You can browse by topic at investtalk.com. You can also download, rate, and review on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 99 chart. 
It's Monday. This is Invest Talk, and here's good news for listeners in the New York area. Steve Peasley is making consultation appointments for his no cost, in person portfolio reviews. Steve will be in New York City on November 7th. Register now and learn more at investtalk.com. The Anytime Listener lines are open, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Now let's take a quick look at some key benchmarks for today. Gold was priced at about $14.98 an ounce, and that was up slightly from a big down day on Friday after, once again, expectation that there was some sort of trade deal resolution Clearly, there was not, so gold had a little bit of a bounce today. Two-year treasury yield, 1.59% down a tick. Same with the 10-year treasury rate, down slightly from 1 point to 1.73% today. And if you're shopping for mortgages, it's going to be 3.6% on average for your 36 or 30-year fixed mortgage. Oil, 53.07 an ounce. That was actually, yeah, that was down today a little bit. Regular unleaded gas is a price at 267. So for with some perspective, last year, a year ago, the national average was 289. So we're down about 10% year over year. And once again, California has the highest gas prices, 417 a gallon. It's because of taxes. Taxes are a huge component of our gas prices here in California. So that's why you probably are wondering, why why is, why is it so much different? Because oil prices are down, and we're not really feeling that impact here in California. It's pretty interesting. This is Invest Talk, and I understand you have that, that many of you feel the urgent need to get your portfolio in shape. That's normal, especially in times like this. We have a lot of volatility, especially the last 20 months, markets relatively fat flat excuse me you are not alone invest talk and kfu financial can help you with your goal of financial freedom you can contact myself or steve at our kfu financial irvine offices in california and now i'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Steve and Justin is so valuable. And now the Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve, Justin. This is Vincent calling. And I'm calling because the company I work for, PepsiCo, actually reported earnings today. And I received two emails, um, documents in the mail today, uh, and I just wanted to know one was a 8K and the other one was a 10K on the company. And I wanted to kind of review it and take a deeper dive and wanted to know what would be the three to five things that I would be looking for within the company's statement to kind of get a better feel or perspective on how good they're doing, or I know they're going to be having a conference call today, but um, I, I want to take a deeper dive and just wanted to know what would be five things that I could look for within the statement to give me a better feel for how the company is progressing. 
thanks a lot, and I will listen for your answer on the podcast. Thanks. All right. Shareholder of Pepsi Corporation, and he's looking at the 10K, which is the annual report, and then there's an 8K, which can disclose more information about significant corporate events. And that could be wide-ranging. Uh, it's hard for me to really say exactly what that is. I don't know. I haven't looked at Pepsi's AK recently, uh, but that's, that's typically what it's for. Now, the, you're going to get a lot more information out of that 10K, and you can go you can go look at the numbers, and those are obviously going to be important in the trends of margins, I think that's big. Are margins increasing or are they decreasing? If you're continuing to get margin compression, that can mean problems within the overall business, especially if revenue continues to go up, but profits go down, that can be kind of a red flag. So I would look at those trends, and then they're gonna have some commentary on the business dynamics. You know, the competitors in the industry, input costs for their goods, all types of more qualitative statements about the business as opposed to just straight up quantitative. Quantitative is very important. We all need to look at that, but when you're when you're trying to understand the health of a business, understanding those numbers in context can be very, very helpful. A lot of times you have a one-off event, for example, that can hurt or help profits hurt or help revenues and understanding what the core underlying business is doing is is certainly helpful so with Pepsi Corporation you need to understand the dynamics between them and uh, Coca-Cola and other competitors within their industry and then what the leadership of Pepsi is trying to do to combat the problems in retail right with online retail more even though they they're not exposed to it quite as much as maybe a clothing company but certainly they have some headwinds there as well and what is their strategy and how successful is that strategy going forward and i'm sure they're giving a look back too over the last year what strategy did they deploy and whether that was being successful or not and maybe what changes they're making so there's a lot you can glean from a 10k but they're very long, very detailed. You really need to dig into it. And for every company, it's a little bit different depending on their business and sector dynamics. Thanks for the call. Glad you're looking at that. Clearly, that's important to you. You're an employee. And I think every employee of a public company should have a good sense of where that company is headed. Just so you are not blindsided by maybe a layoff or maybe you can get ahead of a downfall in a corporation and jump to one that's maybe a leader in the industry and that's doing much better and get out in front of that as well. So uh, glad you're looking at that and thanks for the call. That was Pepsi Corporation. P-E-P is the symbol. Now speaking of earnings and earnings reports, earnings season starts this week and actually tomorrow is a very big day you have the likes of JP Morgan Citigroup Wells Fargo BlackRock and Goldman Sachs all financial companies reporting and then you have Alcoa which is typically the kickstart of earnings season later this week Netflix and IBM report Wednesday consumer giants Coca-Cola on Friday United Airlines tomorrow as well as CSX on Wednesday which is 
a big railroad company. I believe they were the ones that had poor earnings last quarter. Yep, you had a big drop back in July. And it'll be interesting to see is that weakness of their business going to follow through because they're still down about ooh, what's that, 15% from that earnings announcement back in the third quarter about their second quarter earnings. So do they see a follow through of continued weakness in the United States? And if you look at railroad traffic, it's probably going to be a continuation. Retail sales on Wednesday also come, come out as well as industrial production on Thursday. So there's not just news on earnings, but as well as economic news. Now, earnings for the S&P are expected to decline about 3.1% for the third quarter. And that's down from a positive 3% in the second quarter. Now, going into the second quarter earnings, analysts were expecting a flat to maybe slightly negative earnings report. And that beat expectations. So now you're seeing a drag from, from energy, mar energy companies. Margins are compressing kind of across the board. And six of the top 10 companies whose margins impact S&P 500 company earnings growth are Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, IBM, and Micron. And their, their margins are all compressing as well. I'm going to get to more of that after the break, but give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions, but there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me, for us? You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action with the active 401k program. KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. The great thing about achieving financial freedom, you can keep working if you want to, but you don't have to. And here's more good news. KPP clients who are active 401k subscribers will receive a complimentary subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each Friday, Steve Peasley writes a market action and trend newsletter that serves as a quick summary of the week that was. It also includes stock ideas, portfolio management information, and consumer finance tips. So enroll in the Active 401k program and also get the KPP Premium Newsletter. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 8899 chart, 8899924278. We have about 20 plus minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it sooner rather than later. Before the break, I was 
touching on earnings season that we are about to hit, and analysts are expecting about a 3% drop in earnings for the third quarter. And negative revisions by analysts have outweighed negative announcements by companies. Typically, if a company is going to miss earnings by a dramatic amount, they tend to pre-announce and get ahead of it, get ahead of the narrative, uh, and it's actually what they should be doing as fiduciaries to shareholders is not waiting too long to let them know that there's been uh, a big change in business dynamics. Okay, so that the fact that they're, they haven't gotten ahead of that might mean that analysts are too pessimistic, and once again, we're going to do better than expected. Now, if you look at the GDP number, especially the Atlanta Fed GDP expectation for the third quarter of 1.7%, that is a bigger indicator that we won't have a big upward surprise in earnings for the third quarter uh, because typically GDP growth moves along with earnings growth for the overall uh, market. Now, clearly, you're looking at multinationals, not just domestic companies. So that weighs, you know, what's happening overseas often weighs on earnings. And you see the likes of Germany pretty much in a recession, Italy, China continuing to slow. The global PMIs remain very contractionary, below 50 for the most part. You have a couple countries like Brazil and India that are still expanding and actually getting a little bit better. But for the most part, you're continuing to see deterioration across ISM figures uh, globally. So that doesn't bode well for, for earnings coming up. Now, financial companies' profits are expected to be up 1.4% as well as real estate up 2.7%. But technology, information technology, expecting a 7.6% decline in profits. Communications are expected to be 1% lower. Material is expected to see the biggest decline after the energy sector. And then global, uh, manufacturing sector is expected to fall 11.1%. And clearly that's reflected in the manufa- ISM manufacturing number coming in at about 47 and change, the lowest level since 2009. And that's the backdrop of the earnings picture going into earnings season. I expect a slight beat of expectations, but still negative growth year over year. Now let's fit in another caller question that came in earlier at 888 chart Hey guys, it's a quick question. I know the Fed rates, they've been cut down and possibly even going to be cut even more. So I'm just a young guy in my early 20s. I have about, you know, say 3000 in my savings account. But now that the Fed's cut rates, I see no point in having it just sitting there. And it's just for long-term usage. I want to take as less risk as possible and have some kind of interest that just compounds. I don't know if I should invest it in stocks, like high-pay dividend stocks, or maybe possibly a Roth IRA. My employer doesn't match me in the 401k, so that's not an option for me. Yeah, just looking for any advice on where I should Well, kind of all over the place there because he doesn't want to take a lot of risk, but then he talked about investing in stocks for the long term. Now, uh, quality 
very profitable dividend paying stock is going to have the best performance long term as long as they can maintain that business performance over the long term. However, you're going to have a lot of volatility and many of those type of names are fairly expensive in this market. So seeing downside volatility of 20, 30, 40, 50% over the next few years is certainly possible depending on the name, depending on the market conditions, sector, etc. So if you want the best performance long term, that's what you go with. If you want lower risk and it sounds like you want very little risk, then I would go with a CD, for example, where you're going to lock in the rate before they lower rates later this month and try to go out maybe two, three, four years, depending on your need for the money. And also, putting that money into a Roth IRA is a smart way to go. Remember, a Roth IRA, just like a 401k, just like a regular IRA, just like a trust, these are all just types of accounts. These are in no way, shape, or form an investment. You can buy investments within them. They are just simply a type of investment account with various tax treatments, etc. So it sounds like you're young. You're probably in a low tax bracket. If you put money into a Roth IRA today, you're basically locking in that low tax bracket, like low tax rate. And that's a good thing. So I definitely would put that money into a Roth IRA. And then you have to decide what investments you're going to purchase with it. And you could buy CD, CDs, you buy CD within a, any type of an IRA. That would probably be the lowest risk I would recommend. And you then you can also go as high risk as equities, individual stock, or you could buy an ETF uh, as well. I would go with more of an individual stock, pays a dividend, strong economic moat, business moat that can last long term. So that's the way I would go if I am you, I was you and I was looking to invest long term. But you also said low risk. So low risk, I'm going with the CD. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have 15 minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it ASAP. Now, Uber is laying off another 350 employees today, and that's after laying off 400 people in their marketing department in July and 435 people in their engineering and product groups in September. So that all adds up to about 1,200, actually. I'm adding all this up. About 1,200 jobs over that time period, just in the last few months. And clearly, they're struggling. They're struggling with profitability. Their last earnings report in August for the second quarter said they lost $5.2 billion while also experiencing their slowest revenue growth ever. Does not equate to a good business performance. And clearly their new CEO, who is trying to... Her name is Dara... Arsark? I don't. I can't even say that last name. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's asked executives to reduce staff and reorganize, basically. So Uber is under a reorganization. And this is the start. You have WeWork. You have Uber. These quote-unquote unicorns that were bought with private money by hedge funds who just had to put money to work or private equity funds that had just had to put money to work. They're, this is the start of the down 
cycle. And this is especially important for our Bay Area listeners because this is directly going to affect real estate prices, rent prices, spending within the Bay Area. Because a lot of these workers are no longer, clearly don't have jobs, but as high paying jobs, many of them have equity in Uber and these quote unquote unicorns. Think about how many WeWork workers were banking on big paydays because of their equity stake in WeWork and a big IPO at 40 plus billion dollars. A lot of them. How many of them bought multi-million dollar homes backed with that type of uh, equity and, and cash flow? So this is the start of the tech bubble 2.0 unwind. And it's certainly going to have broader economic implications, but it's going to be more directly affected or affecting the Bay Area and other tech-focused marketplaces. Think Seattle, think Austin, Texas. A lot of these areas where there's a lot of unicorn startups that got a lot of funding from private money at high valuations, they're not going to get those valuations nearly as much. And many of them are going to have to lay off workers to try to prove profitability because that's worth pivoting to. Okay, the growth phase is over. The easy money phase is over. Now what? Now you need to perform like a regular business. Many of these companies have been around five, seven, ten years, and they're no longer startups. So the market is now demanding you need profitability, you need positive cash flow, and they're going to start working towards that. And there's going to be a lot of people and equity laid in waste during that transition process. And it's, I think it's going to take a few years. And that's why I think the next recession is going to be similar to 2000, 2003, as opposed to 2007 and 2009. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. And obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. That's why you're here. So I encourage you to consider subscribing to our KPP Premium Newsletter. It's written and distributed every single Friday. Comes straight to your email box. You get market analysis, portfolio management guidance, stock ideas, and personal finance tips as well. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. It's just $19 a month. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hey Justin, hey Steve. Hey, I was just calling about ticker symbol BGS. If you can help me understand why the stock is falling so fast, so hard, I would appreciate it. I look forward to the answer on the podcast. Thank you. Bye. 
All right, looking at B&G Foods. Uh, this is a, about a billion dollar company, about $1.1 billion market cap. Also has about $1.5, $1.6 billion in debt on its balance sheet. And they manufacture self-stable food products such as jellies and hot sauces, etc. They used to own Pirate's Booty, if you're familiar with that. If you have kids, you probably are familiar with that brand. They just recently sold it off, but they also own Jolly Green Giant. And they have a history of buying up brands that may be not, not well received, not well distributed, and maybe rebranding them putting them into their pipeline, their distribution pipeline, and extracting value out of them. Pirates Booty is one example. They bought it for much cheaper than they actually sold it for. I think they sold it to Hershey, if I remember correctly. And earnings have been kind of up and down over the past 10 years, but still growing. 2012, they made $1.35. This year, they're supposed to make $1.82 with some you know, bumps. They had a bit, little bit of drop from 2017 to 18. But earnings are expected to reaccelerate, but revenue's down 4% year over year. Return equity long term kind of jumps between 12 and 20, but averages in the mid teens, which is very, very solid. Not exactly cheap from a P ratio, enterprise value to EBITDA ratio, etc. But mainly, this is a value stock. It is very low growth, minimal growth, if at all, especially over the last couple of years. And that's what's hurting the stock. It needs to return to some level of growth. And it's yielding about 11%. But that cash dividend pay ratio is 158%. So the dividend is probably not sustainable over the long term unless they change their cash, cash flow situation. But their payout ratio based on earnings is only 70%, which is a little elevated, but not crazy high. And the reason, once again, it's falling is because lack of growth. And it needs to show that it can return to some level of growth to sustain that debt and grow its earnings over time. So it's a value play and you're going to have to be patient with it. You either believe in its management's ability to manage through this tough retail landscape to squeeze efficiencies out of the business, to buy other brands that may be undervalued and bring them up to proper valuation. And that's their strategy long-term. And you need to be on board with that or not. If you aren't on board with that, you need to be out. But it's dropping because of the lack of growth. The Federal Reserve will purchase treasury bills at least into the second quarter of 2020 at a pace of about $60 billion a month. And this, is, this was announced on Friday. And this is just a continuation of what I've been saying for a while. The Fed had to do this. The Fed now has to monetize the debt. Now, they're not going to say it. They're not going to let that cat out of the bag that we're having a debt problem in this country on the federal level. But that's basically what's happening. Now, they're also going to say this isn't QE. Well, it is. Don't listen to them. It is nonsense. This is 100% QE. Now, they had been shrinking their balance sheet, and now they're back to growing it. When you're growing your balance sheet, when you're creating money out of thin air to buy assets, in this case, treasury bills, that's QE. Exactly what they were doing before. It's the same things. Instead of buying long-term treasuries, they're buying short-term treasuries. It's the same thing.
Don't let the Fed fool you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve financial freedom. Our work continues after the break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Next Invest Talk is the world economy sliding into its first recession since 2009. That's the big question in financial markets, executive suites, and the corridors of power. Steve will break down that story tomorrow, but now Justin Klein is here, he's ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Uh, hi Justin, hi Steve, uh, this is Raphael from Jersey. Love your show. I have a question on the stock. Want to get your opinion on it? IAC Interactive. The ticker is IAC. For large caps, this is one of the most fastest growing companies I really look at. And the way I really stumbled upon this company is that I've been wanting to buy Match Group, the dating, you know, the Tinder people. But um, I remember that this is a, a subsidiary of IAC. And when I look at IAC, they're growing even faster than Match as a standalone. A low peg ratio, good ROE numbers like you guys always tell us to look for. Expected five-year revenue, uh, expected EPS is like over 30%, I believe. So I don't know. These, these seem really compelling. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that, IAC. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, looking at IAC Interactive, and he is correct. This owns a portion of Match Group, which owns Tinder and a few other dating apps, I believe, that IAC, about 39% of IAC's revenue comes from Match Group. And then you have Home Advisor, right, that helps people match, you know, match the somebody who wants to remodel their home with contractors, etc. That's about 16% of revenue. 8% is video. I believe that's Vimeo. Vimeo, they own Vimeo. 19% comes from applications, you know, other apps, as well as 13% from publishing. So it's going to be more diversified, but you have exposure, like you said, to match group. Revenues year over year are 12% growth on IAC, which is down from about 38% growth about a year ago. Earnings last quarter, however, were down 49%, and earnings was down 31% this year versus last year. So I don't like that. Now, 2020, next year, Earnings are expected to rebound 33%, but that's expectation so far. Return equity, 24%. I like that. No dividend, $20 billion market cap. Pretty much no debt. I like that about the business. And their cash flow positive, even though cash flow of trailing 12 months is starting to dip a little bit. Shares are increasing. The number of shares outstanding. So there's certainly a level of shareholder compensation that... I might be a little concerned about that continues to grow after years of shrinkage. Uh, 2009, they had 139 million shares outstanding, and that shrunk all the way to 80 million in 2016 and started to grow to 91 million since then. So why is that? Why do they need to go from shrinking share count to expanding share count once again with positive cash flow? I don't love that factor because it's diluting you, the shareholder. Now, technically... This match has started to roll over, and IAC has started to roll over as well. Technically, it's right at its 200-day moving average, and it's pounding on that level. So it looks like it will uh, eventually break to me. And if it does, this is probably headed down to the 130 and change level. Now we're at 226. So 
Technically, I don't love it. I don't love the business trends that the earnings are declining year over year. It's enterprise value to EBITDA is 21. Don't love that either. It's a little expensive for, for my taste. And I, you know, the, the growth has definitely slowed. So I definitely don't love IAC. I would pass on it. Now, I think we can squeeze one more caller question in from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Barry from Michigan. I wonder if you'd give me your thoughts on VMware, VMW, and what you think about it. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for the call, VMware. Another of kind of the fallen growth angels hit at 204 earlier this year, and then a low just a couple months ago at 130 and change, 128 and change. Now we're at 154. Technically, it remains in a downtrend. I don't like that. Revenue growth is only 4% year over year, where a year ago is in the mid to high teens, even into the, the high 20s about three quarters ago. So I don't like that deceleration in growth. Let me look at some valuation metrics to kind of give you a sense of whether it's expensive or not. Enterprise value even is 28. Too expensive for my blood. I like that they don't have much debt at all. 30, 30, $63 billion company. Positive free cash flow. I like that. Return on equity very high. So I like the business, but I don't love the chart. I don't love the business trends here. I would love this at about 120, 115 to 120, but here at 154, I'm going to pass on it. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve will return tomorrow, and I'll be back on Thursday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.